Welcome back to the Golden Hurricast. We are a weekly podcast covering Golden Hurricane Athletics at the University of Tulsa. I'm Ryan Token. I'm Matt Rectine, and Tulsa basketball uh, had some ups on the women's side this week, and then the men's side has lost three straight, well, four straight, actually, three straight by um, only putting up 64 points. So it's <laughs> yeah. been quite an interesting week. Yeah, it's been tough, man. Um, yeah, like you mentioned, four straight losses now, 0-4 in conference play, one of two teams in the American that is still winless in the in the conference. Do you know who the other one is? Oh, uh, let me think. Is it? Mm. It's a surpriser because all the obvious ones just won their first game, basically. Yeah. Um, Memphis? No. Okay. Wichita? Yes. Wichita okay. State. 0-4 oh, so, or 0-3 oh, or something in, in American Conference play, which is just extremely disappointing and also kind of funny. But not good to be among the group that is still winless in the American. To be fair, they've played powerhouses. They've played Memphis, Houston, and Tulane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Man, I'll tell you what, Tulane, I don't know. I think they're 4-1 and one in American play right now or something like that. It's not like it's not like four, they, yeah, they four and two. Yeah. Four and two. Okay. Yeah. And they're man, I mean, they're looking pretty good. I think their overall record is is kind of solid. I, it's at least a winning record, better than ours. Uh, ECU from usually at the bottom. Tulane is not a winning record. No, nah, they're seven and eight. Oh, right there. Okay. Yeah. Um, ECU is like ten and three or ten and four or something like that. Uh, man, all these. Uh, you know, it's it's very even down the line until you look at South Florida, but then you look at USF and they just go out and beat beat UCF by twenty or whatever it was yesterday. So, man, the conference it's wild right now. It's great to see after UCF was talking so much uh, smack oh on Twitter, which yeah. they always do. So it's nice yeah. to see them get put in their place. Oh, for sure. Oh my gosh. I love it so much. Like, oh, I'm just becoming more and more of a South Florida fan, like UCF leaving and just years of them talking so much trash to everybody all the time is exhausting. So man, anytime we can get, especially a huge underdog bulls team to beat UCF at anything that is good stuff. So give me that all day. Um, but yeah, this uh, let's get back to some t- Tulsa basketball here. Uh, two losses this week. Not great. Um, a lot of weird news to start the week off. Like right before the Temple game, we learned that Keyshawn Embry Simpson and Josh Early are done for the year. Didn't meet the NCAA's academic requirements last semester. So they are out for the rest of the season. What do you make of that? Well, on the Josh Early side, we've seen him like maybe three times all year. So I feel like that's not too much. Um, And as far as like, I don't know, I feel like there were glimpses of Keyshawn where we saw what he could be um, when he's shooting really well. And we get that extra like uh, curry or whatever, as we talked about, but it's not been consistent enough. And so what this might force hate to do and what I think it kind of did in the last two games is. Uh, cut down the rotation a little bit, which I think can help us get into some consistency. Um, but as we saw, like this team plays well when they're hitting their shots. And so we do need that three point, I guess, depth. So somebody's got to step up. Yeah. And I think we can't, seen that, it can't just know. be, I mean, Dryhorn maybe took it to another level against Houston. <laughs> and then yeah. Sam Griffin came in with those, three threes and within a span of like a minute and a half, but yeah. Unbelievable. Um, yeah. I think we just, we need to see more. Yeah. And I think with the, with the drop off of Embry Simpson being out and we've seen more Ladavius train, like this week was his kind of coming out party and he played well. He's all, he's already uh, our best. He's, he's our best three point shooter by percentage. At least I wouldn't say probably best overall, but by percentage, he's at 40.9 on the year now after, after yesterday's game. And I think he was four for four, against temple uh so that guy like we had hardly you know he got a lot of a lot of talk early like preseason from haith just like uh, along the lines of you know he's a big addition and a three-point shooter and all this stuff and we didn't see him much early in the season at all and i think you know especially with the Embry simpson news and just the general uh kind of not great guard play uh we've had outside of dry horn and sam griffin um he's he's been stepping up and it looks really good and he looks like a pretty solid player so I am very optimistic on him. Like he had a great game against Temple. Three steals in addition to that four for four from the three-point line. And so if he can be another guy that's going to add some points consistently, that's what we need because we're still dealing with the issue of just Jariah Horn and Sam Griffin doing everything. And Sam 
Like he didn't have a great game against Temple. And then yesterday he was not having a good game against Houston until he's kind of saved the day there at the, or almost saved the day at the end. Uh, couldn't quite finish it off, but man, like when, when, when those two Horn and Griffin aren't firing off, we have nobody else. Like we, we need some more depth. And we've been talking about that all year in terms of scoring. And we have a lot of talent on the team, but it's very inconsistent. Maybe every now and then somebody outside of Horn or Griffin steps up to the plate and delivers for us, but we don't really have a consistent third person in there. And I would have thought maybe it'd be somebody like a Darian Jackson, who's been a veteran on this team for a long time now. And somebody that I think is a leader on the team that people look, look for, uh, for leadership. And he, he's still like, he's still a very good player, but he's not a big scorer and he never has been. So it's probably unfair to look to him to be that consistent scorer because he doesn't really have the outside shot. Um, and he doesn't really look to score that like he's a great finisher around the rim, which I don't know his field goal percentage this year off the top of my head, but I feel like that's kind of been down as well for Darian Jackson this season. Uh, not that he's having a bad year, but I don't think he's really been to the level that I was hoping he would be uh, preseason. Yeah, he's <clears throat> compared to last year where he was, what, almost 65%? field goal percentage yeah. like he's dropped like he off was... he's he's like 57 58 so it's not a huge drop off but it's not um he's definitely not at the same level i think he was playing last year which is mm-hmm. tough because like you're saying we've kind of lost a lot of other outside of horn and griffin like to to have other contributors drop off offensively that's that's what's killing us yeah for sure and yeah it's just tough to rebound from that so i don't know maybe you know, we've seen a lot of Ladavius Drain lately, like we said. Um, we also, in the last two games, saw some more uh, Sterling Gaston Chapman, the guy from Wichita. And that's cool. Like, we, he, has, he hasn't done too much uh, while he's been out there, but he looks like a good player. And so, I don't know, it's fun to see some new guys, especially when you're in a down year, like we clearly are so far this season, being 0-4 in the league to start things off and a losing record. Um, you look for the bright spots, right? And Ladavius Drain has been a bright spot this week. Seeing more of a young guy like Sterling Gaston Chapman, uh, I think can pay some dividends down the road. So hopefully that happens. But man, two two home losses in a row this week, that just sucks. We, you know, we jumped up a bunch in Ken Palm. I think we went from 145 to 133 or something like that after playing Houston as close as we did yesterday. Um, but still, I mean, a loss is a loss. We're six and nine on the year now, 0 and four in conference. Uh, it's not great. Like you mentioned, we scored 64 points in three straight games, lost them all, all those games. We've lost by five points or less. All those games. Also, we have come back from double digit deficits only to still lose those games, uh, which, which sucks. Like that's got to wear on the team over time. And even just after one or two of those games, it has an impact on you. So man, it's a bummer that we couldn't pull it off yesterday. That could have really changed things up for this season. I think, um, or at least given some, optimism to these guys because now he's got now we've got to go on the road like we had a home stretch hopefully you know it would have been so nice to win one of those games but to drop them both now we got to head on the road to cincinnati we come back and we play a floundering memphis team but still a very talented roster on that memphis team at home uh on sunday and it's tough like those are not easy games like the temple one is the easiest one we've had in conference play so far and we couldn't pull it off unfortunately so uh it's it's (laughs) kind of bleak looking down the stretch, especially when you see Tulane in East Carolina, who's usually at the bottom of the league um, doing well all of a sudden. Yeah. It, I mean, Ken Palm at this point has us winning three more games this season, which is just, Oh insane. God, really? Oh geez. Yeah. I didn't notice that. It's only wins against oh, like at, at home against South Florida, oh. uh, at home against East Carolina and on the road at South Florida, which Holy they have crap. as like a toss. They have as a toss up. <laughs> and like, I don't know if I buy that necessarily because yeah. we've lost every conference game by five points or fewer. Like we are right. making them competitive. Maybe some of them are more competitive than they should be. Um, mm-hmm. Not maybe like they definitely are. Um, but like at some point the pendulum is going to swing like the other way. Like some of those shots against Houston, Obviously, some were bad shots, but there were a lot that kind of just had terrible rim luck. And so, you know, one or two yeah. more of those goes in. Uh, Anthony Pritchard, like, hits that layup. We hit a couple of those, and yeah. all of a sudden we're in overtime, and we're potentially beating Houston for the third straight season at home. Um, yeah. So right. I feel like this is a team that's going to finish way closer. Not, I don't know, way closer, but, like, 
around 500 as opposed to six games under 500. Dude, so. it, oh my God. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think it's a good point. I'm glad you called out the Ken Palm thing because I had I had totally skipped over that. I didn't even see it until you said it. And wow, that is that is depressing to look at. But I agree. I don't think it's going to fall there. I would be so surprised if we were anywhere around only winning three more games this year. Cause like we said, like, like we've talked about, we have talent on this team and we are in these, we're in these close games. And so you're going to pull out some of them. And like just this week, and you, you kind of said it already with the Pritchard layup that he missed it with, you know, two seconds left or however much time was going there. The same thing happened last week against Temple, except it was dry a horn that time. And like both of these, we have open layups where we get to the basket with time expiring, basically. And we missed them both. And both of those would have put us in, you know, either tied the game, potentially sent it to overtime, or maybe even led to a win. So those just got to fall. And like, it's not a, we're so bad, we can't make a layup. It's just unlucky. Like, these are good players. Like, Anthony Pritchard is a good player. Yeah, he's a freshman. And like, there's more of an excuse for him, I think, than than Jariah Horn's miss uh, against Temple. Because... Horn is a is an upperclassman, a senior, a leader on the team. It sucks that when when he gets to the bucket in a, in a time like that, he got he's got to make that. I, I mean, Pritchard does as well, but Pritchard's a freshman going against an extremely physical Houston team who had already blocked his shot like three or four times that game in the like same six, spot on the court. Sixteen feet taller than he is. Yeah, he's just a small guy. You know, it sucks, and like he's talented. And he can get to the bucket, but he's just smaller. That's just what that's just what there is to it. I'm sure that was the initial reason we didn't offer him out of high school, despite him being real, a really talented high school player and why he was initially going to go to Middle Tennessee State. He doesn't have the size. And that's I mean, he can get bigger physically, like like width wise with some more muscle, but like the height's just not going to be there for him. And so he'll find ways to work around that as he gets older and gets some more experience at the college level. But man, like him going down there, he got the shot off. It's not like this one got blocked with the with just two seconds left. But you got to think that he was he was feeling the pressure and knowing that he's been blocked down there a bunch of times this game. Is it going to happen again? He gets it off uh, cleanly, but kind of put some weird pressure, put like some weird speed and spin on that ball, and it it wasn't really <laughs> very close to going in either. Um, so it sucks, but like both these games win, like right at the end, very winnable games with missed opportunities at the buzzer, essentially. And then, you know, this, this Houston one, obviously we, you know, you got Sam Griffin kind of throwing up a prayer at the end. I don't put that on him at all. It's just, just it was, a was weird. Um, speaking of that buzzer at, at Houston, right. That play that went to Griffin at the very end after Pritchard's miss, uh, there was a there was a wide open not wide open but pretty open uh, Ladavius Drain cutting to the basket right there, and who knows maybe would have missed another game tying layup uh, at the very end. But like there was definitely a chance that ball that that could have gotten there. We could have got that up for a layup and still tied the game and, and sent it to overtime. But uh, we were looking for Griffin, I guess. Yeah, and I'm curious on the difference. Like, how quick can you pull off a layup versus a catch and shoot? Like immediately. Like there was only 0.4 mm-hmm. seconds left, so. Like, yeah, that's true. I assume that would be enough time, possibly, but who knows? You could have like just any sort of hesitation or anything, and you're looking at game over before the shot goes off. So, yeah, yeah, I think technically you need the point three seconds or whatever, right? But I think yeah, a layup you got to kind of unless you catch it super clean and you don't have to gather or anything, you could get it off. But if anything goes wrong, like you're in the middle of like three people down there, you catch that ball and anybody gets a hand on the ball. That's not you trying to make a layup and you don't get it off in time. So I understand what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, One thing that I was really excited about, I mean, so we come into the second half against Houston last night and it was just looking ugly. Yeah. We were down 38 to 23, I think. Um, after uh, okay yes okay so down 17 after some ridiculous like who knows <laughs> yeah. how it went in buzzer beater that houston hits and yeah. like we come out firing on all cylinders to start the second half like houston had to burn a timeout so quickly because we just mm-hmm. played super aggressively which we have not seen so much this year like on offense so many times, like how many, how often do we complain about, they just kind of like toss it around the perimeter. Nobody is attacking the hoop. And so, you know, you're not getting open shots. You're just kind of playing passively. And then Houston was just thriving on that in the first half and Temple was taking advantage of it too. Mm -hmm. But then we saw 
completely different shifts in like offensive philosophy. People were driving to the hoop, kicking it out, and all of a sudden, you know, Horde was getting much cleaner shots. He made four threes in the second half. Sam Griffin made three right there at the end. I mean, Drain was going like hitting them. Mm -hmm. And it just makes you think, like, why do we not have that kind of mentality? Like, what is Haith? game plan where he's not taking advantage of that we seem to play and i think this has been the case since we started this podcast that we play better when we increase the pace of play mm-hmm. and we just as much like lip service as we get from that we see such rare glimpses of it yeah the offense does i mean it does certainly tend to feel more passive a lot of the time. And you're right. Like we came out that second half and everybody was trying to get to the basket. Like Anthony Pritchard trying to get there every time. Darian Jackson, several good finishes underneath. Um, Dry Horn even, a couple cuts, nice cuts to the basket. And it was, yeah, I mean, that's what, that that helps a lot. Against an aggressive defense like like Houston's, the more you can spread them out and, you know, get them mixed up by cutting to the basket and making people move around rather than just passing it around and throwing up a three, um, that helps a ton. And I think that is a big reason we, we stayed close in this one and came out so hard and so fast in the second half was, man, it's just like you, people feed off that energy, you know, making a three is, is cool. And you can definitely get some momentum when you hit of threes, like look at Sam Griffin's three threes in a row down the stretch, like that fired everybody up. The whole place was going nuts. It was a close game, but man, like there's just something more like more visceral and physical about getting to the basket close up and finishing and like being a physical, strong team that can do that. And so many times, you know, we've got one or two players that do that, but the rest of the team doesn't really. And we mentioned while we were watching this one, like, you know, we saw Anthony Pritchard go in there and just get swatted, uh, you know, but it was like, good, go do it. Like show the team that you like, he's getting to the basket. You're beating your guy off the dribble He's just a small freshman, right? And so I understand. But like, I, th- I I do think that there's something to seeing a teammate get in there, be able to beat your man off the dribble and get to the basket. And that'll let other people do the same thing. And then they'll, they'll you know, somebody's going to finish and, and score. And when you do, like, you just have a better chance at, at getting an offensive rebound, mixing it up. Who knows what'll happen when you get down in there, finding an open man for a three, who knows, right? It's just good things happen when the ball moves and you cut to the basket. We just don't do that enough. So I was very glad to see it despite Pritchard getting, getting swatted every now and then. Uh, I think it's very good of him to do. Yeah. And I think we've seen way better play when Ray Dou and uh, Nikita Konstantinovsky are mm-hmm. being aggressive and attacking the hoop. Uh, Cause a lot of times Ray will get the ball and just kind of, pass it on or be a little like take too much time and all of a sudden they just swarm and we can't do anything. But when they've been aggressive, like we were keeping up with Houston in offensive rebounds and just rebounds in general. And I think it's because when you get to the hoop and you know, you're way more likely if you're actually close to the hoop to get your offensive rebound versus just if everybody's sitting outside waiting for a lucky bounce or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I think that's part of it. And I hope that we'll see it go forward. I think just as conference play has gone on, we've been shown more glimpses of that offense of aggressiveness. Ray Dowu, uh, his per 40 minutes has jumped up like three points um, yeah. in conference play. Ladavius Drain, I think, went up like four points. Konstantinovsky's gone up. Like, I would like to see that keep increasing i hope it does and hopefully we can pull out a couple dubs yeah man i mean it's got to happen eventually and the rebounds point is good like we stayed we really stayed neck and neck with both temple and houston in terms of rebounding we've gotten beat badly in rebounds several games this year and i was surprised like especially staying with houston and offensive rebounds like that is the name of their team like and has been for years is just destroying the other team on the boards especially the offensive boards and we, we were basically right there with them. 14 offensive rebounds for Houston versus 12 for us. And we only lost the overall rebounding battle by three to them. And same thing with Temple. We beat Temple in offensive rebounds and only lost that rebound battle by five. And so something's changed where we're, we're attacking the basket, looking, being aggressive, trying to get these boards rather than being a little bit passive and kind of just hoping we box out and it, it falls to one of us. Uh, you got to attack. Like how many times have we noticed like Houston is so good at this. They are so aggressive crash, crashing the basket. Like they will jump over you. They will run into you. They are, they go to the basket hard trying to get that ball. 
and they bully you with it and it intimidates you. And it definitely has a mental effect on how you approach the game. And when you can do that on your side and take the same level level of energy to them, that that's huge for your team. I mean, you're just going to, the reason we hung and got to stay in this game, despite uh, being down so much early was, uh, well, several things, but one of them certainly was hanging with them in, in the rebounding game. Had we gotten beat by, you know, 10 total rebounds or more like we have in the past against them, that game is not anywhere. We don't have that comeback. You got to have those second chances every now and then. Uh, and we got them in this game, which was, which was really cool. Yeah. Cause we saw first half we were getting crushed in rebounds. And yeah. so that's what happened. You you're down 17 to a team like Houston. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, something I noted, uh, after the temple game that I thought was interesting was Frank Haith said something weird. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm reading into this the wrong way, but his quote, uh, and I saw it in the Tulsa world, probably a Kelly Hines article. She said, we're so close. This was after temple. We're so close. We've just got to know how to win, to win tight, close games like this. You have to have good guard play. And we've just, to get, we've just got to get that better. And that was interesting for me to hear. I mean, when I, saw the quote, I was like, is he taking a jab at Sam Griffin here? Like Sam didn't have a great game against Temple. He was over five from three against them, but like he's had a great season over, like he's playing well. He's our second leading scorer. He's shooting well from three. He's doing everything we kind of are hoping him to do. Yeah. He didn't play well that game, whatever, but like, I don't know. It just felt like a weird kind of jab. Maybe he didn't mean it against Sam. Maybe he meant it more like everybody else out. Like we've been talking about where, any somebody outside of uh, Sam Griffin and, and Jariah Horn needs to step up. Um, but it was right after a rough game from Sam. So that's how, that's how I read it. But I don't know. It was, it just kind of struck me as odd. Yeah. And it's, man, this takes me back to football season where it's like, how many close losses can a team have in a year? It's like, we've had one game where we lost by more than 10 and that was against Utah. And then our second yeah. closest is like seven Toral Roberts. Every mm-hmm. other loss has been, I think within five, um yeah 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 so which is just great like if we could close out some of these games or you know show that energy that we started the second half half against houston like we could very easily easily have like four more wins than we do now and we'd this mm-hmm. be an entirely different year it's yeah. just that yeah that closing is just what we've been tough and part of it is we shoot ourselves in the foot where we have to, you know, come from behind and our great comebacks just kind of fall short. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's tough. I've, the optimistic part is like, we've seen, especially recently, really good stuff from, uh, Ray Dovu and Nikita Konstantinovsky. Like you said, both of those guys, like, I don't think Nikita shows up much in this, in the stat sheet, but both these games, at least this week, he is, he is a physical player. Like he gets in there and he mixes it up. He is emotional. He gets in, He goes after the rebounds. He plays hard. He gets a bucket every now and then I like, it was a great week from him. And then Ray Doe, like you already kind of mentioned him, but yeah, like another really solid week, 14 points against temple six for eight from the field, um, rebounding the ball better. I guess Houston, he had a good game. I think he had eight or something. I don't have that page pulled up right now, but I think he had somewhere around there against Houston and played well, like played hard and physical and emotional. Again, he's always an emotional guy, so not surprising there, but um, definitely a solid game from him. And that's been lacking for sure uh, so far this year. So man, if we can all of a sudden, like Nikita doesn't play that much, but he does come in every now and then. And I think especially now that early is going to be missing the whole season, we need some more depth down low. Maybe we'll see some more of him. And he does, it does look like he's playing, he's playing well and knows his role on the team. So I'm, I'm pretty optimistic about the big guys all of a sudden again, after being pretty down on them earlier. Yeah. would like to see us win a couple jumps to start off the game. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You never know. I don't know. Like who, I guess, is it, it's probably, it's I guess usually is, Nikita took them both this week. I think so. Cause the Dowu did he? Well, I don't know. I missed the start of the Temple game. You were there, right? So, yeah. Yeah, I can't remember. Yeah, who Nikita Ado came off the bench, so I would assume okay. yeah. between uh, Horn, Drain, Pritchard, Haywood, and Konstantinovsky, I would imagine Nikita yeah. is the one who would take that. Yeah, he's what, 6'11"? Isn't he our tallest guy? I think so. 6'10", yeah. 6'10", yeah. Um, yeah. The other big killer against Easton was, I mean, we surprised uh hadn't come up yet, but man. Uh, Kyler Edwards for Houston just just toasted us 29 points seven for 15 from the three-point line and like 
we so we played mostly our our matchup zone again but we went straight man to man for for a lot of this game too against them and it didn't matter like he was doing whatever he wanted out there like we had hands in his face several times i thought it was him that hit that uh halftime buzzer beater for three it was not that was taze Moore. uh but basically every other weird crazy three that went in was kyler edwards like he was he was on fire almost 50% from three point line. It felt like more than that. If you would ask me after the game, before I looked at the stats, I would have guessed like 75% from three. It just felt like everything he threw up there was going in. Um, just two other, just, just some wild, like uh, you had the more one at halftime. And you mentioned that, like that ball from more that got stripped out of his hands and he caught it again, flipped it to his left hand and threw it up like over his shoulder. And it freaking went in. Kyler's weren't quite as ridiculous as that, but he had two, that were like off balance, one foot fallen back threes at the end of the shot clock where we had played great defense the entire series. And they just, you know, he just knocks it down and he's really like, that's just going to happen. Like he's a, he's a really talented player. He's not going to hit 29 every game, but he's going to hit a couple shots like that on you. And you just gotta, you just gotta roll with the punches. And we did, I mean, to, to suffer 29 points from him and be able to stay in this game, uh, and come back late and see 24 in retaliation from Jariah Horn, who was going back and forth with him for a lot of that, a lot of that second half. That was amazing. So that was very fun basketball to watch. That is a great player in Kyler Edwards. And uh, he definitely toasted us, but I mean, to, to only lose by two after that, I think is, uh, is pretty solid. Yeah. And just talking about fun to watch, I think my last point kind of on the Houston game and just in general is like, this is the first time where it's been exciting to watch yeah. oh basketball. It feels yeah. like since in like two years, yeah. um, granted I'll say like, I didn't pay too much attention during COVID last year just because, you know, it was not great. The season was just wonky and it's like, we've had that to start this year, but it's like that style of game, like just a close game, taking on number 11, Houston, losing by two, making it a, super close back and forth battle like that's at least fun and not yeah. like it would have been great to get the win sucks to not have that but i'd love to see that energy for the rest of the season uh yeah. and just totally. make it so much more fun to get through like even if we i mean i can't say if we lost every game like by two and it was like a super close but that'd be better than like what we've seen so far in our losses like i'd much rather have an enjoyable uh, yeah season yeah dude no doubt i mean that's that's absolutely true it was easily the most fun game home game this season that like we've we've gone to and watched they even the ones where we win it's just like been such a grind and boring both mostly and like and especially you know the the one like here so matt and i always stay at the end and like sing the uh alma mater song with the band and the and the players and like it sucks it it is like so many games this year nobody's there the stadium is empty we lost the game of course and the band is like you know they're playing and they sound good but it's just the band and the and the team is sad because they lost and there's like 10 other people in the stadium at this point right and so matt and i are sitting there singing the song and it's just like this is not good (laughs) like there's nothing needs to change here and like the Houston game was so different. It was so fun. It was not different in terms of like fans that came to the game. I was, I was, I was shocked. I thought outside of the student section, the student section. Yeah. Shout out to them. That was great. They definitely came out and they were the reason that I think it was louder in there. Like it felt more energized totally because of them, because the normal fan base, like it was the same looking as it was for temple. Maybe there were a few more people there, but it was not, I thought even in a down year like this, coming off some losses we're playing a ranked rival team in houston i thought more people would show up but it was it was pretty empty still uh, so that was a bummer but i i don't want to uh, get off on that like I, I did think it was a really fun game in general and the teams played well the fan the the student section came out it was cool very exciting back and forth game big comeback didn't quite get it fun one for sure so hopefully hopefully people start coming out a little bit more because man it is like Anyway, I coughed right before this and lost my train of thought. But anyway, you should like just come to the games. They're fun. Like they can be. They have the possibility to be. And they're more fun when more people are there because it's louder and more energized. So anyone yeah. who is not coming, maybe maybe come to the next one. Please make it uh, so that Wichita State at on Wednesday 
March 22nd is not Ryan and I and 12,000 Wichita State fans. <laughs> yeah, oh my God. That's that what it's totally going to happen. Yeah. That for sure. The stadium is going to be full of yellow. Yeah. I mean, and even this week, like we've got a home game against Memphis. And yeah, Memphis is kind of a weird joke right now, but like they're still, they have a big time, big name, famous head coach. They have two of the top recruits in the country playing for them right now. And that's fun. Like that is just cool. And they're both back and playing again. They, they were not playing the first time we played them in Memphis. They're both back. They're both in the roster, both playing. So we'll get to see Amoni Bates and Jalen Duran on Sunday. Uh, so look forward to that. Come out to the game. All right. Speaking of next week, let's talk about those a little bit. Uh, we have two games this week again, one on the road, one at home versus Memphis. Like I just said, the road one will take first because that is the, the earliest game. That's on Thursday, the 20th at 8 o'clock on ESPNU. Cincinnati, they are Ken Palm, number 75, 12 and 5 overall, 2 and 2 in the American. Brand new head coach. Previous head coach, John Brandon, had been there, I think, for three years. He is out, maybe just two. I can't remember. Um, anyways, two or three years, he is gone. He got fired. All kinds of drama came out of that last season uh, with how he was treating players, and he denied everything, and they, him and his lawyer sued the university, and all, all kinds of crazy stuff happened with it. Um, but he's gone. And in comes a guy that we've talked about many times on this podcast. Wes Miller comes in from UNCG and first year. And so I don't know what happened. I didn't follow this enough. There are no freshmen on this team. I don't know if they just didn't sign anybody or maybe it was the timing of Brandon getting fired and Wes Miller coming in, but no freshmen, all sophomores and and older. Uh, But they've got a lot of returning production. Maybe that's the reason too. like everybody came back a lot of times after Brandon or your, you know, Brandon in this case, but your coach in general gets fired or leaves. A lot of guys will transfer. Um, I don't know. Maybe all these Cincinnati players were, were indeed happy to see him gone because of his treatment. So they were like, hell yeah, got a new guy here. Uh, Going to take that on totally and, and, uh, and go all in with Wes Miller, who by all accounts is, is a, is a great head coach. So um, happy about that. I wasn't a huge John Brandon fan myself. I am a Wes Miller fan. So that's kind of cool, I guess. I uh, wish we had him here, but uh, at least he's in the American, I, I suppose. No, no. Yeah. Get out. Bullshit with that. I wanted him here. I don't want him in the American, not at Tulsa. I was pissed after Bullshit after on that. I'm not saying we. I didn't want him. I definitely did want him here. But if he's going to be coaching somewhere that's not Tulsa, I'd rather be playing against. I, I, I like him. So it's fun to play against him. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's just it's bittersweet because I wanted us to fire Frank K for the last three years to hire him. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, why couldn't we do it? And it does feel I like think- a huge missed opportunity. Like, I feel like we totally could have done it. I guess Cincinnati is a bigger name, you know, than Tulsa. I don't know. People I've seen argued, like, would he even leave UNCG to come to Tulsa? I don't know. I don't know how people think about this. We probably would have paid him more. So probably. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, not, and, I'm not sure. Well, because it's like a lot of people were speculating that he was just kind of waiting out for the North Carolina job if he could get that. And he didn't. Yeah. So maybe that's why he bounce this year but uh, I just mm. I don't want to I don't like being in a world where there are so many coaches that we've seen move and have incredibly successful like tenures at their new places and we've just kind of been like oh yeah we've still had Frank Kate for 20, <laughs> yeah. 25 years yeah I mean and there's something to be like the argument not for Frank Kate but for stability is just like we Tulsa has gone through so many periods where we didn't have anything like that and like so many, the, the argument against myself now is like, yeah, I mean, but it's better that way because that either means you're being proactive and getting rid of somebody or they're having a lot of success and moving on to a bigger name, right? And the whole idea, I remember when we first got there, I didn't like the idea as a freshman and a sophomore and even later of Tulsa being a stepping stone. I was like, you know, we just moved to this new conference. We got all this momentum like it's time to settle in and become like a bigger name and, and keeps it. So like when we hired a guy like Frank Haith, I was pretty excited about it because he one came from Mizzou. He had a freaking fiasco of a tenure at Mizzou though, but like a big name, like uh, coming from a big, big school, settling in at Tulsa, maybe he'll bring some stability, have some success. And it started off so strong, like made the tournament uh, with, with juice and, and Shaq Harrison, uh, but has obviously not gone very well from there. So I like the stability argument. I, I understand because we've gone so many years without that before Frank Haith's tenure. But the alternative of just like, you know, just accepting your role as a stepping stone, more or less, you know, and embracing the the idea of successful coaches coming in and leaving. I mean, that's better than what we have right now. So yeah, I, I think st- I was... What has stability gotten us other than dwindling home crowds, 
uh, increasingly lower Ken Palm yeah. rankings over the years. Like, yes, I don't know. I think it's we don't need to get on this train too much <laughs> yeah. further, but yeah. I'm hoping there's a change. No, I I mean, it's hard not to at this point. Like, nobody cares about Tulsa basketball right now. The stadium is empty. We have a losing record. We're 0-4 in conference. It doesn't get much lower than, than it is right now. So I'm uh, I'm just glad we're, we can still uh, laugh about it and smile a little bit because it is, it is grim in Tulsa basketball land right now. Uh, but, yes, back to Cincinnati. Um, like I said, a lot of returning guys. Uh, big four combo of returners, especially at the guard spot here. Jeremiah Davenport. David Julius, Micah Adams Woods, Mike Saunders. That is a very talented core of guys. Those were kind of the young core last year. They're all back and more experienced this year. I like all those players. They're all talented. Um, they do, those are all guards, right? So they do have two forwards, both of which are transfers in. So John Newman from Clemson, listed as a forward, but he's only 6'5, so I don't know how they use him really. Haven't watched most of Cincinnati this year. Um, and then Abdul Ado from Mississippi state. And he's the actual big one. He's six eleven, uh, senior forward. Newman is also a senior. Uh, but yeah, John Newman from Clemson and Abdul Ado from Mississippi state, the two transfer big guys for them. Um, so I like, I like, them. um, they're 12 and five, two and two in the American. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I just pulled up Cincinnati's schedule. Just to check, you know, who they, they're two and two in the conference, like I said, but who did they beat and lose to? And, their win, they beat SMU, a solid conference win. They beat East Carolina, which generally you would think maybe not great, but then ECU comes back and, and beats Memphis. Um, so they beat ECU, but then they lose to Tulane in their first conference game of the year, 68 to 60 at home. So home loss to a Tulane team, which to be fair, an improved one, like we've mentioned. And then they lose on the road to Memphis, who has been really struggling lately. So who knows what to think of these guys? Like they, I mean, Again, they have a lot of talent. They're 75 in Ken Palm. They have an A win on the year over Illinois, uh, which is a solid win at a neutral site. Um, but all their other, uh, they had three other A win chances here, um, a neutral game against Arkansas, an away game against Xavier, and a an away game against Memphis. And they lost, you know, they lost those three. Um, so there's we're talent the on point, the team. Yeah, and we're at the point in conference where outside of Houston, anybody could theoretically lose to anybody else. Is kind of what it seems like. Seems now. like it. There's like a lot of parody. Yeah. Oh, us. totally, totally agree. And somehow, God, I do not understand how South Florida freaking beat UCF. I don't know what happened there. I need to watch that game or, or look into something about that. That just makes no sense to me. I mean, I'm don't get me wrong. Very glad it happened, but I never would have guessed, especially by 20 points, that the Bulls go and beat UCF. But no, such is life. <laughs> um. Anything else on Cincy before we move to Memphis? No, sir. Cool. Uh, so, yeah, next up, home game, Memphis, on Sunday, the 23rd, 2 p.m. on ESPN. No suffix there. It's on the big ESPN. Ken Palm number 42 still somehow. I don't know what strings Memphis pulls to stay so high in Ken Palm all the time, but they are still number 42. Like, they don't move. They've been 30 all year, and finally they dropped into the 40s. Um, but they are 9-7. and seven. And three and three in the league. And somehow they're still number 42. I don't get it. Um, but so, you know, we've talked about Memphis before. We played them on the road already. And it was an interesting game. You know, we lost by three uh, back on January 4th. Sam Griffin, big game, came off the bench, scored 25 points. Dryhorn had 20. Uh, Idowu had nine. So a pretty solid game from him. Nobody after those three scored more than five points. So it was mostly the Griffin and Horn show again. Um, so we'll see. And like like I said already, that Memphis didn't have their two big-time uh, freshmen in Amoni Bates and Jalen Duran. They were both out. I think one of them was sick. One of them had a finger infection or whatever. They are both back. So they came. They both came back in the same game, and that was the game right after we played them. Uh, so they played Cincinnati next and beat them So with those two guys. They have since lost uh, to East Carolina at, at the buzzer, uh, which we'll talk about later a little bit. Um, but they're they're just a ridiculous team, man. They have so, so much talent, but they have like probably the worst head coach in the country in Penny Hardaway. Like I don't know what what his deal is, but he just can't get it done. It's he's just wasting talent year after year, and they still haven't made the NCAA tournament. Yeah, they won the NIT for whatever is that whatever that's worth, and worth something I suppose. But like to never make the NCAA so far, and they're not going to make it this year unless they win out. Um, 
with this with the talent level they have on all these teams is fantastically bad like that is just embarrassing for them so it's always fun to play them because they play fast and they generally play aggressive uh, but they do not play safe with the ball and they don't really have a good offense uh, offensive scheme so it'll just kind of be a bunch of guys running around out there from memphis and uh, usually we play them fairly well we almost beat them on the road i think we'll probably beat them at home to be honest we seem to we we like playing them it, it feels like yeah, that makes it uh, describing their offensive system kind of just reminds me of like pre-K soccer uh, when I used to run <laughs> yeah. that, where it's just like 10 people sprinting after the ball and just like there's no run or like <laughs> yeah, or yeah. rhythm or reason or anything like that. It's yeah. just give me the ball, give me the ball, let's go. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's how it is, dude. And like, I don't know. It is. It's really like when I think when we played them last, we talked about that game and it was just like the ugliest basketball game of all time. And it was just not... Like just ugly, just turnovers over and over and over again. We lost the game, came back from a big deficit again, but still lost it. Like it's just the same, same thing, but worse because you're playing Memphis who Memphis there. I mean, they play hard defense. They turn you over a lot for sure, but they, they, they do the same thing. Like they turn the ball over. I don't know what their ranking is. They got to be one of the worst in the country in terms of total like team turnovers on the season. So it'll be a, it'll be an exciting one, I guess, just to watch because they play so erratically. They are 354 in the country on turnover. Oh, man. What and is it? How many, There's 355 or something there? total. Yeah, that might be last. They could actually be last. There are 358. So okay. <laughs> yeah. very close. Yeah. That is brutal, man. Oh, my God. That's got to be. Imagine being a Memphis fan. How pissed off would you be? You have all this. You have all this talent and you get so excited before every year because they keep signing all these big time names and now they're nine and seven and they lose to East Carolina uh, on the road. Oh my God. I would be living 17th in the country in tempo, 354 in turnover percentage, 356 in steal percentage. Like, (laughs) yeah. Oh God. Yeah. What is, what is, what is possession? What is ball security? No ball security, but they play fast and, Usually that's good for Tulsa. Uh, cool. Anything on Memphis or you want to move on? No, just uh, excited for the the crapshoot that this game is going to be. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it'll definitely be like it's home. It'll be a fun one to watch again. I think this is a good one for people to come out to. I think Tulsa actually has a very good chance of winning this game. They are in a bad place mentally. Memphis is. Everybody knows they're having all kinds of issues. That messes with your head. We're playing them at home. We beat them by 40 like two years ago at home good chance that we win this game, I think. So come out. All right. Uh, let's take a quick look around the conference. Um, some good stuff. Uh, we've kind of talked about a few of these games. Um, so let's start on Wednesday, the 12th. Obviously that's when we lost the temple. I'm not going to talk about that one. UCF beats Memphis at home and then follows that up with the, the loss to South Florida by 20 or whatever. And that happened on probably Saturday, or I guess that was just, yeah, that was yesterday. Um, final score of that South Florida UCF game, 75 to 51 South Florida at home in Tampa beats them by 24. Oh my God. That is amazing. Um, Cincinnati beat East Carolina on Wednesday as well, uh, by eight points since he at home. So beat the pirates there. The shot most, I don't know. I'm not, I guess the USF UCF was probably the most shocking, but the most shocking to me. And like, it's just, so Wichita state and Tulane played both compelling storylines happening this year one positive one very negative Tulane four and one in conference uh or whatever they are now they're four and one at the time uh they're probably I guess you said four and two now um Ron Hunter in his third year like definitely feels like things are picking up playing on the road at Wichita State you know who has the unarguably the best home field or home court advantage in the league they pack that place every week um and they go on the road to Wichita and beat them. And this is a Wichita State team who still has a lot of talent. Like Tyson Etienne is still on this team. He co- totally could have gone to the NBA last year. Uh, a bad showing, I think, in the NCAA tournament brought him back this season to try to prove himself. And that maybe is not good. <laughs> that, that could have been a bad choice for him. Uh, I mean, he's having a fine season. He's still very talented. But their team, they're nine and whatever. I don't know what they are now. At, when they played this on, on Wednesday, they were nine and six and 0 and three in conference. They're still, I guess, 0 and four now. Um, and they lost to Tulane, man. And like, 
Wichita State's the more talented team here. They have more talent. Uh, Tulane looks like probably has the better coach. Like I was really hoping uh, the whole Isaac Brown story and Greg Marshall getting fired last year with all the drama around that. They they promote uh, Isaac Brown to full time head coach after he started his interim, and they you know won like ten games in a row or whatever with him leading them. Uh, I was really hoping that was such a good, like feel good story. And I was really hoping that would continue into this year. And they've got Tyson Etienne back and all this momentum you feel like, uh, but wow, I don't know. It's just, it just hasn't been working for them so far. They're, they are struggling, but Tulane beats them on the road, which just so surprising. Uh, but hey, good for good for the wave, man. Ron Hunter is awesome. And I, I think that's really cool. Uh, let's move to Saturday. There were only really two games of two days of games this week. Um, Wednesday and Saturday, just talked about the Wednesday one Saturday. Obviously we played Houston SMU beat Tulane by nine, uh, Tulane in new Orleans. So notable result there after a big win from Tulane against Wichita. And then the other shocker of the week outside of UCF, South Florida was the, and we, this is the one we've talked about like 10 times already, but East Carolina beat Memphis by one, uh, on the buzzer, Brandon Suggs, um, hit a buzzer beater just off the bounce, uh, to win it as the, as the time expired. And, uh, Matt, I was telling you this at the game yesterday, I was watching like what I thought was kind of a norm. I only tuned in for like the last two or three minutes of this game. Um, but man, glad I did. Cause it was the ESPN broadcast, but it was like the Greenville version of it. So East Carolina is like, ESPN broadcast, however that works. And I didn't really know that until the end of the game because one, I had only watched the last two minutes or so, but also the end of this game, when when Brandon Suggs for the Pirates hit that to win it, the dude just lost his mind. For, I mean, it was probably 30, 30 straight seconds, maybe not that many, 20, 20 to 30 seconds of him just screaming, screaming at the top of his lungs, like pirates win, pirates win. He hit it. He hit it. Like saying the same thing over and over. They rushed the court, everything. Memphis, you know, heads down, pissed off all this. Uh, God, it was beautiful. So I loved that a lot. That was maybe my favorite result. Although it's hard to beat UCF losing to South Florida. That is extremely gratifying. But anytime Memphis loses to a team like that, that is pretty sweet too. So I'll take that for sure. All right. Keep this train moving. Last little section here, just some uh, other random notes from the week. Let's start off with, and this isn't really a random note, but the rest of them are, but uh, TU women's basketball still doing great. Um, only had one game this week. I don't know if the other one got canceled or something. I can't no, remember. They just, they just had a week break before the uh, South Florida game coming up. Okay. Yeah. So, Matt and I went to this one. This was the first home game for the women we've actually been able to go to this year. Uh, for me, at least. Did you go to another one? Mm-hmm. Okay. So first one for us, for the women. And it was do- it was just a dominant. Um, I think we heard a stat while we were there that we probably should have known before this. But like, there, I think TU women are, what was it? Are they the number one three-point shooting in the country? Shooting team yeah, in the country? at least before the game. That's what, uh, that's what, yeah. Saw that in Kelly's article as I was reading at halftime. Yeah. Oh, like what the heck? <laughs> that's, that's amazing. I mean, I knew they were very good, but to be to be the number one shooting team, that's pretty incredible. And so, like, they played East Carolina on Tuesday or whatever day that was. I'm pretty sure it was Tuesday. Um, and they the final score seventy one to fifty nine. So a a twelve point win there, but it wasn't. It didn't even feel like it was that close. Like they they just dominated them the entire game. Yeah. So you go into like I think we were we had almost. Or, you know, it was like 47-23 at half. So it was yeah. really just a third quarter where we came out kind of cold and ECU uh, really started to make it close to where they got within like 15 by the end of that one. But it's like TU was just doing pretty much whatever they wanted, especially first quarter and throughout the second quarter to the point where the comeback would have had a bit would have have to have been astronomical. Yeah for ECU to come back into this one. Yeah. And like, I was wondering, is it just cause we have like a good mix of freshmen and upperclassmen. Um, but a lot of our like really strong play this year has come from our freshmen and Tamara point Dexter and yeah. uh, Delaney Crawford, both of who uh, were named have, I guess have been named freshman of the week so far this year. Uh, cause Delaney Crawford just picked it up for her play last week. Which I think nice. that's the first time this happened since 2017 for TU. 
Uh, so it's been, it's been a while. Um, and I was like, maybe ECU is just an experience. And it's no, ECU has a ton of like, they had like three grad students, a senior couple. So it's just, we were just, just balling out and just honestly, like kind of wiping the floor with them uh, to the point where like ECU did not stick around for the handshake line at the end of the game. Yeah. Which is just yeah, like, I know. <laughs> what the hell is that? That's so petty. Yeah. I have literally never seen that happen. I couldn't believe it. Like our, it was just so weird. Our, Angie Nelf started walking over there and like, they saw her coming. Like they hadn't left yet. And the, t- uh, the rest of the, our team started lining up and they just turned their backs and left. And Nelf like went over there and like, it just shook the hands of the people at the desk, like the table there instead of like the team. It was like, thanks for coming out or whatever. It was bizarre. I have never, I mean, maybe that happens more often in women's basketball or something. I have never seen it. I, I couldn't believe it. Yeah. This is a team we've looked good, uh, especially without like, we've been out, been without our leading score for since before Houston. Um, Four games same. she's missed now. Yeah, so Maya Mayberry has been out, but her sister like came in. Wavet Mayberry played super well uh, yeah. in this game. She was like six of thirteen, including three threes. Uh, made every free throw. Like we are on top of being one of the best, uh, if not still the top three point team in the country. Is like we are in the top ten for free throws too. I think we were eighteen for twenty one um, against East Carolina. So I mean, these players are just incredible shooters overall. Yeah. I mean, God, just look down, look at our three point percentage down the line here. Maya Mayberry, 49%. Why vet Mayberry, why vet 47%. Maddie Biddle, 43%. Delaney Crawford, 42%. Right. And then you have a 35 and a 33 after that. I mean, it is, that is amazing. That is amazing to see. And one of those, the 35% are there is Tamira Poindexter. Who's a freaking forward hitting 35% of those shots. That is cool. So, I mean, there's a reason that we have been so successful. Yeah, we're lacking in some size, see the Houston game. But, man, do we have some talented guards that can shoot the ball. Yeah. So, it'll be, uh, like we talked about last week, this next matchup is going to be tough. Uh, South Florida is, like, the definite best team in the American ever since UConn left. Uh, They were... There's definitely a clear hierarchy when UConn was mm-hmm. here, where it was like South Florida or UConn, South Florida, like UCF. And so this will be another interesting matchup, kind of like Houston. Um, how are they going to respond? Because I imagine South Florida, you know, when, when you have that success, you just get really good players to keep coming in the program. And so like playing against height again, how are we going to respond after the Houston game? It'll be really interesting one to watch. For sure, man. It's fun. And that game is on Wednesday uh, at six. So I'll be tuning in ESPN plus. There you go. Cool. Moving on. Uh, some Dane Evans news. Always fun to talk about this one. Finally, one, something we've been waiting to see for years. Dane Evans. The headline is signs and extension with the Tiger Cats. The real headline is, is now the definitive starter for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Masoli's contract is up in February. The head coach already came out and said, Dane's the guy. He's he's the guy. Like, we've been waiting to hear that ever since he got there. He had to deal with Johnny Manziel on the team at the same time. I totally forgot he was there. I was reading a little recap of Dane's career uh, this morning. I didn't, getting ready for the I didn't remember he was on Hamilton ever. I thought he was always yeah. a Blue Bomber. No, he got, yeah, he got traded to Hamilton. So at at one point there were four quarterbacks on that roster and it was Jeremiah Masoli, Johnny Manziel, uh, Vernon Adams, or I can't remember some third guy and then Dane Evans. Right. And Dane, you know, the Manziel thing, what a kind of, I mean, Manziel wasn't as much of a mess there as he was in the NFL, but definitely a distraction, you know, lots of media coverage, all this stuff. Cause it's, it's him, you know, big Heisman with Johnny football, whatever, all this stuff. And he didn't paint out there. Uh, Masoli, the clear uh, second, like him and Dane, the clearly most talented players on that roster uh, at quarterback. So he's dealing with all this stuff and kind of is the backup for a lot of that time under Masoli. He gets the, you know, Masoli goes down with an injury two years ago. He leads him, Dane leads him to the Grey Cup. Uh, Last season gets canceled. This season, Masoli is the starter again. All this drama back and forth all the time. Dane's just there kind of chugging along. It's great attitude about the whole thing. Never saying 
Like I should be the guy I'm better than Jeremiah Masoli. I should be the guy tr- like trade me, get me out of here. I could start. Cause he totally could have, like he could have been, he could have requested a trade and been a starter. And it's like basically any other, not any other, but many other uh, CFL teams and not, he didn't do that. Right. He stuck there, stayed with Hamilton, enjoyed it, like played well when he had his chances, um, took him to two gray cups basically. And so and Five years you cannot, younger than you cannot convince me that Hamilton would not have won with Dane behind them if he hadn't gotten hurt this year. Like, yeah, that, uh, yeah, I mean, totally, totally could have happened. I, I agree. Um, and so they they made the call, right? He's got he's five years younger than Masoli. Like I said, Masoli's contract ends in February, so they were they were sick of the the two quarterback situation they've been dealing with. Dane has passed the test many times, uh, been under pressure when he comes in several times and has answered the bell basically every time. So they finally made the move and Dane is the guy in Hamilton. So if you uh, want to catch more of those games with him as the starter, sign up for ESPN plus because they've got some, some deal with the CFL now where a lot of those games are on ESPN plus, which is, which is pretty cool because when we first started watching Hamilton because Dane went there, it was hard to watch them with it. Like most of those games, every now and then they would put one on actual ESPN or like ESPN two or you or something. And you could catch them that way. But, Almost none of the games ever made it there. So now you can watch a lot of them on ESPN Plus. So you should sign up for that if you're not already. And also like the American Conference is all like, if you're not signed up, you, you should be. It's five bucks a month. It's not that big of a deal. Uh, so do that. We uh, um, ESPN ad now? Yeah, pretty much. Just uh, just a Tulsa sports fan ad, you know? That's just everything, everything Tulsa and basically sports in general is just ESPN these days. It's crazy. Um, in other person news, that's much less fun. Kelly Hines. We got some news about her, uh, this week, a couple days ago. I don't remember. Um, she is leaving the Tulsa sports beat. Doesn't I don't know. I don't want to speculate on whatever happened. I have no idea what it was. She's been there for eight years. It was probably just like, Hey, let's, let's try something else. Let's do something new. Um, and so she, as of, I think starting this week, like starting Monday, she's done. Like, this Houston game was her last uh, game covering Tulsa basketball. She was also doing Oral Roberts stuff, also done with that. So we'll see. I'm not sure what she'll be doing next. I'm sure uh, we'll learn that this coming week, like tomorrow probably. Um, but she's out, which is which is wild. Like Matt and I got to TU in 2013, you know? And we so therefore, that was eight years ago. We have literally never known uh, Tulsa sports without her writing for them at the Tulsa world. And when, when I, at least personally, like when I got to TU, I didn't know what the Tulsa world was or who Kelly Hines was or anything. Um, I just got there, but I would read stories from the Tulsa world before I knew it was her writing them or anything, you know, just picking up on Tulsa sports news. And she was the one like doing it all the, the, the whole time. You know, obviously we got to know her a little bit better uh, once we started doing this podcast and then we had her finally, finally had her on the show this year. Thank God. Because man, if we didn't do it this season, no uh, opportunity. I mean, we could have still had her on, I suppose, but um, definitely good to get her while she was officially on the beat. Uh, so it sucks, man. It's weird. Like Bryce McKinnis going to be taken over, which I think I don't know much about him, but optimistic that he'll, he'll do a fine job. He's a younger guy, just graduated from college uh, last year. Uh, from the University of Central Oklahoma, have to have, have to have him on the show for sure. But man, gonna miss Kelly. She's she's been doing an awesome job. No, for sure, a hundred percent agree. Like I, Kelly has been the like subject matter expert for Tulsa sports for the last couple of years, and like the amount of work that she does to force the university to give like news because they refuse to yeah. like do these things in press releases is just amazing and so it's going to be a definite loss uh for sure and it's gonna it sucks but i'm excited to see what she's up to next hopefully we find out sometime this week yeah i feel like we get all of our stuff from kelly (laughs) or like 80 percent plus from her i don't know how we're gonna figure out because you're right like so many times tu doesn't publicize things they you know they're a private school whatever all this stuff they don't have to do things so often they just won't tell anybody like the Steve Farmer thing they finally announced. But like, even before that, um, there's just a bunch of news that they don't talk about. And Kelly goes and prize them and gets it out of them finally. And then tells them, and it's not like this is like secret information. It's like general knowledge that, that people should have about TU. And yeah, I, I don't know. We get so much of that stuff from her and Bryce, like, well, I think I, I'm sure he'll do a fine job. Kelly's got all these connections where she can make these 
she can get the news out of them. Bryce is going to have, it's gonna, probably going to take some time for him to get there. And like, I'm sure he will, especially Kelly still being at the Tulsa world. He can ask her stuff um, and, and learn from her. But I think we might have a year or two where it's going to be a little bit of a learning curve. Um, and so we're going to have to do, I think, more of our own research here instead of relying on Kelly to, to feed us all of our stuff, which is which is pretty nice uh, or was pretty nice to have. Um, yeah. OK, so, yeah, no, I agree, though. Like, I th- yeah, I'm optimistic. Um, at least she's sticking around with the Tulsa world. We can still read her stuff. Um, I definitely still have tweet notifications turned on for her for, for whatever she ends up doing. I also turned him on for Bryce. So he's officially uh, on my on my tweet radar screen now, now that he's doing Tulsa stuff, which is which is wow. cool. So in the Tulsa sports him. world, I think that means you've made it if you're on Ryan Token's tweet notification. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've got Brad Carson, Kelly Hines, Bryce McInnes. Uh I got a couple other people. I don't remember who. Um yeah. I agree though. You should be on my list. I got you on there, Matt, but you never really? tweeted. Yeah. I tweeted like five times this year. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Uh, all right. Uh, just a couple final things here. Those are the biggest ones, but some final notes. Uh, I saw on Twitter, there was a cool thing, um, about a finance. I think it's just finance majors. I don't know. Maybe they can choose from other majors too, but there's this thing called the investment portfolio challenge, which is a, like an investment challenge and several schools from the region participated. So I think like Arkansas was there. Uh, There was like Southwest Oklahoma. It's open to anybody who can t- who's in the class. I think it, like the student investment fund because I know yes, that makes if you remember sense. like Jesse Kipe, he was a math yeah. major and did it. Oh, sweet. Okay, yeah, that's cool. So open to majors, definitely an investment challenge. Uh, lots of schools from around the region participated. The team that won was a TU team, super cool. And on that team were two athletes, one of which was Ray Doe, which was awesome. And Malik, Malik Rogers was there too. But the reason I'm putting the emphasis on Ido was because I thought the picture was funny. And I, I mentioned this to you yesterday, Matt, but like Ray Doe was what, 6'9? Is that what you said? Something like that, 6'9, 6'10. So obviously a very large human being. And I don't know these other people that are in the photo. Malik Rogers wasn't in the wasn't in the picture, but the other three guys were. And I got to think that they weren't like six, six, you know, but they all like everybody except one of those guys looks like he's the same height as Ray Doe. Like they're all standing next to each other. I don't know if they all stood on chairs or something next to him, uh, but they, it, it was surprising that Ray wasn't towering over these the other three guys. But anyway, congrats to them for winning that thing. I, th- I think that was super cool. And also great team name. Team name was lit quiddity, which I thought was pretty sweet. Uh, and then final thing here, uh, just some football notes. Um, saw a tweet from Tulsa football that I thought was kind of cool. Uh, Tulsa finished as finished the season as the only team to have a top three rusher and a top three receiver in the American, that being Shamari Brooks and Josh Johnson. So that was pretty cool. Um, Steve Farmer was officially named Tulsa's new offensive line coach, despite his Twitter bio saying that for like the last two weeks, which was weird. Uh, but he, he replaces Zach Hansen. Uh, he, who was the OL coach before Zach left to join Lincoln Riley's staff at USC not as their OL coach, but as an offensive analyst. So he's gone. In comes Steve Farmer. Have not heard anything at all about who the new DC is going to be yet to replace Joe Gillespie. Got to think that'll be coming in the next couple of weeks. So the sooner the better, because like like we got signing day coming up again here, like the, the later signing day. Uh, in, I heard in Monty's going to take it on. Oh, yeah. He's going to he's just going to run the team. No assistance. Head, head coach, OC, DC. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Special hey, save some money. Our, uh, and that will just give up like eight kickoff return touchdowns a year instead of four. And the last note I had was uh, former TU defensive backs coach Aaron Fletcher left last year to join Mizzou. He is now leaving again. He's leaving Mizzou to join Arizona State, which I thought was an odd move. So he's gone. He was only at Mizzou for a year, and now he leaves. I'm not sure what the deal is. Um, great point. Maybe we will. No, he no. He already signed, I guess, with Arizona State. Matt just put in our little chat. Um, should have brought him back as DC. What a move that would have been. I don't know. Like, I guess, how long was Fletcher at TU before he left for Mizzou? I feel like he was here for a while. I don't think he became the defensive backs guy until a couple of years back. But still, I think he has a lot of experience. So, yeah, that would have been quite a move. That's an interesting one. But, yeah, he's he's all of a sudden leaving Mizzou for Arizona State. Six years. He was at Tulsa for six years. Was he? He wasn't yeah, DB he coach just, the whole time there, was he? I don't think so. Uh, so he came in 2015. I think he was because he because they talk about when he came in 2015. Kerwin Thomas was 14 passes defended. 
So man, Kerwin Thomas. Damn, haven't thought about that guy in a long time. Yeah, maybe he was the whole time. I don't know. He just got hot so fast at the end here because we had so many like big names go like get drafted and then obviously Allie Green and the Caleb Evans and all that stuff. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, that would have been spicy. Bring him back. But it sounds like no. It sounds like he's headed to Arizona State. Um, so we're going to miss him. But I just thought it was weird. You know, why Why? Why is he only spending a year there? At first, I thought maybe he got fired. Mizzou's defense wasn't very good this year. They fired, I think, their defensive line coach like five weeks into the season. So I thought maybe wanted, that was it. But I didn't see anything about that. They wanted him for Evans and Allie. And now that they're now they're done with them. <laughs> yeah, they're like, all right, see you later. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Just stupid. Uh, Except not real because they didn't even, I mean, maybe, yeah, I don't know. Maybe there was something like that. Cause like, I think, I think Allie green played a lot this year, but a Caleb Evans actually didn't, or maybe it was the other way around. Um, they both got hurt. Like what happened seems like all the time. (laughs) Yeah. With well, yeah, definitely Evans. Evans. I felt like got hurt every year at Tulsa in in some way. Green. I don't, I don't think was really an injury issue. Yeah. Sorry. Was I, I didn't know if I was supposed to have a response. I don't know. I, I, well, you said the Allie Green, like a Caleb Evans injury thing. I couldn't remember if Green got hurt. I just didn't remember or not. I think they, well, they both got hurt by the end of the year. Cause I remember there's like a, there was a graphic on Mizzou's bowl game that like number of defensive backs that oh. are out and it's like 20 of them, right? <laughs> yeah, like their nice. entire okay. roster. Right. Okay. Uh, yeah, cool. Well, that was the last thing I had. Um, did I miss anything? Something else we should talk about? Don't think so. I think that's all the biggest stuff for this week. So, okay. Uh, let's wrap it up right there. Um, appreciate everybody for listening this week. Make sure you are subscribed to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. We are on Apple and Spotify and Google and Overcast and anywhere you can listen to them. So uh, go subscribe while you're doing that. Drop us a rating and a review. That would be awesome. If you uh, want to support us financially, we've got a few ways you can do that. You can check out our website at thegoldenhurricast.com slash support to find all those ways. And finally, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram. We are at Golden Hurricast, all one word. And you can send us an email. And that email address is thegoldenhurricast at gmail.com. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. And we will talk to you next week. Stay golden. Stay golden.